You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about the birds, sweetheart of the rodeo. In the room, I have Rob, yes, sir. Andrew, Hello. Ben, and Grady. Hi. All right, Sweetheart of the Rodeo is the sixth album by the American rock band The Birds, and it was released on August 30th, 1968, Columbia Records. The producer was Gary Usher, and the genre is country rock. Initially, Sweetheart of the Rodeo was going to be a collection of songs that would represent American popular music of the 20th century, encompassing examples of country music, jazz and rhythm and blues, among other genres. But the concept was abandoned early on, and the album instead became a pure country record. This was in large part due to the newest addition to the Birds lineup, country rock pioneer Graham Parsons. The album became the first major album widely recognized as country rock, and represented a stylistic move away from the psychedelic rock of the band's previous LPs. The album consists mostly of country covers, but did include two unreleased songs written by Bob Dylan and the band, and two originals penned by Graham Parsons. Problems arose in the studio as Roger McGinn and Parsons butted heads over ideas, and it only got worse after finishing the record as McGinn recorded his own vocals over Parsons while his contract was in dispute by Lee Hazelwood a move that infuriated Parsons. This, among with differences in McGinn's opposition to hiring a steel pedal player, led to Parsons leaving the group that year. And although Sweetheart was an earnest attempt to blend modern down-tempo rock with country, the traditional conservative Nashville establishment refuted the album as an imitation country album played by long-haired hippies as they heckled the group at their grand old Opry performance. All right, what do we think of Sweetheart of the Rodeo? I like this record. I agree with the last, last line, the quote that you said. <laughs> you, feel, <laughs> you feel like it's... It's not like uh, a bunch of posers. It's like if I found this album in a Goodwill bin and I didn't, didn't have a name on it, I wouldn't think twice about it. Hmm. Can can you speak up, Michael Grady? Yeah, a little, 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 little closer, but uh, it just did not seem particularly uh, distinctive or interesting. It's sort of uninspired. I mean, it's very competent. It's good. You know, they're all good players, good harmonies, good you know structure and everything. But it's uninspired. It didn't move me at all. Yeah, I, I actually wrote down that it was. An un or an inoffensive uh, country romp that I'll never listen to again. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, and yeah, uh, d- the birds are very competent players, and they have always been competent players. But they are always doing music I don't give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's like 
and you said this is the sixth album of theirs, then yes, why man. have we covered 12 of their fucking records on this? <laughs> We've covered five. We only missed oh one. Oh, my God. This is a fifth I mean, Bird I, album. I like some of the jangly psychedelia, but it's even that just to a point. Um, this just didn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, they're, uh, they, they don't elevate the source material. In my humble opinion, that's one thing I noticed too. I was I was in, interested to see, you know, great. They have good harmonies, and yeah, you know, no, they're kind of putting a different spin no on it. Passion behind any of it. But I didn't find too much, you know, other than you know the songs that weren't already traditional. I was wondering about that. Yeah, I, I was I wasn't surprised to see that there was a Dylan cover on it. I was surprised there were two Dylan covers on it. I was very surprised that. There were only two original songs on it, and I was very, very, very surprised that none of the fucking OG birds even wrote those fucking songs. This is... This is a Graham Parsons record. This is two songs by Graham Parsons and a bunch of covers. And they aren't even done well enough to make it an exciting listen for me. It's like Ween's ben 12 Rubin. country greats, but <laughs> lose a track and the humor. <laughs> I, I like this record a lot. I've, I've always liked this record. Um, you know, I'm a big Graham Parsons fan, and I think that kind of some of the reasons that you guys don't like this record are some of the reasons that I do like it. I like the fact that it's um, it doesn't elevate the source material. I, I like the fact that it's like a, a like long-haired hippie rock and roll guy's who like just kind of recently like oh what's this country thing all about and like are sort of exploring it as a territory rather than like and they do it for earnest yeah like I, I I didn't find it to be like not un like not to be not earnest like I I, I think there's lots of especially like Graham Parsons is like you know steeped in, in yeah in this stuff he says he does it in this in this kind of like rough and rough, like rough edged way and that that appeals to me. Do you think this would have been better if they would have left Graham Parsons' vocals? Is there a cut of that somewhere? I've, yeah, there is. I there's think a there's like yeah reissues and stuff yeah. where he has they, they leave in his lead vocals. Um, the vocals are just sort of thin. Like yeah, I think McGuinn's voice is not not strong quite, at all. Like the the cuts with with Parsons' voice definitely bring it up. You know, you I can, can you can tell a difference. I can see yeah. that making a huge difference, honestly, for me, because I mean, what because. I, I like this sort of music, well, that's what, but well, that's this what Parsons is so, says. He said they screwed it up. This is so I mean, bland. Mm. Like it's they got all the fucking changes, they got all the hits or all the you know the, the instruments down, but there's no inspiration behind the vocals, and I think that's what really sells this sort of music is is some earnest, some yearning, some feeling there, and this is there's just nothing, no emotion I, there. I, I would like to hear the the cut with. Graham Parsons uh, lead vocals put back in. That I think is, it's just a few true. songs. I don't know. Yeah, if it's, it's it's this song that we're listening to right now. It's uh, Christian Life. It's uh, Eleven Brothers. Yep. Uh, it's You Don't Miss Your Water, and it's on um, One Hundred Years from Now, which Graham Parsons wrote, and they overdubbed his. Like, they yeah, overdubbed. that is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the the Graham Parsons Trojan Country Horse Attack slash Hostile Takeover of the Birds. <laughs> Because I think it's fascinating, but uh, like Graham Parsons himself, his whole like philosophy is that country music is the purest form of truly American music. That was his. That's like his perspective moving forward, and what his goal as a musician was to make what he considered cosmic American music. He considered cosmic American music 
to be like a hybrid melting pot of the different types of American roots music, uh, like country, soul, folk, R&B, and rock. He thought if you could get all of those components in there, you would have your cosmic American music, which jazz, now we just call Am- Americana. Where's jazz you know? in that mix? Well, I, you'll, you'll have to dig him up and ask him. You know, <laughs> rattle his bones. Go to, go to by, and by dig him up. To talk to him. I mean, American musical forms. Joshua Tree. Absolutely on that list. Anyways. Get your mind off winter time. You ain't going nowhere. To say they don't elevate it, I think they elevate it a, a little bit by adding like some subtle rock influences by by covering soul songs. I think that that is a bit of an elevation of just the country and honky tonk formula. At the same time, it it's intentionally a very earnest, unadorned, stripped down take. They didn't want. By they, I mean Graham and what he convinced the other guys of also. They didn't want to come across as a parody or a, or kind of like a, like rockers kind of looking down on country music. Because at that point, the youth rock and roll culture just thought country music was for old hillbillies. So they were kind of trying to reclaim reclaim what they considered a truly American music for a younger generation. And in order to do that, they wanted to also be sure to try to take the form seriously and not glitz and glamour it up too much. Did it work? Commercially, no. Like, you know, like the country fans wouldn't accept them because they were young rockers with long hair. They alienated their own fans. Musically, it didn't work either. <laughs> I think it works musically. I really, really like this record. No, it's 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 a solid album. It just it doesn't do anything for me beyond that. It, it doesn't speak to me on any level. There's no song. There's no hook. There's no. I think that the hook could that, be 100 years from now. I think that's a cool track. I put a little asterisk next to that one as being one of the standouts. Um, yeah, I thought Hickory Hickory Win was also. It's interesting. Those are the two those originals. Are both, yeah, those well, are, that's, those are that's both the why, Graham Parson originals. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's why it really, you know, I was paying attention yeah. to the originals because, you know, there are only two of them. Yeah, and <laughs> it's a and, covers and they're, record. Their best, you know, their best uh, source, uh, Bob Dylan again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so going Still into using Bob Dylan song. Going into nineteen sixty eight, the birds were now down to just Roger McGuinn and Chris Hillman. They needed to up their numbers. They apparently can't write songs. Oh, well... Can we just put that out there? I, I, I agree with you. Those two... By saying this they, record is, you know, maybe the best Birds records, that's basically <laughs> also saying they don't write songs. Yeah. I kind of think of this Y'all as... Can play good. Like, there's Birds records, and then there's this record, this which record, is sort of this off this in record. its own little world. Like, I don't Would think you say the this birds is a Graham think, Parsons I featuring think, the birds? I think well, that, he wanted it to be named that. He wanted it to be called <laughs> Graham Parsons and the Birds. There you go. And the thing is, he Trojan-horsed himself in as, as a piano player. 
and he had ulterior motives the whole time. He basically conned the birds into being his backing band for an album, and they had to record over his vocals after the fact when they realized what had happened. <laughs> 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 that makes me love Graham Parsons more. <laughs> I don't know about the birds, so though. The, so, Birch, you were saying that Roger McGinn wanted this album to be a retrospective of all American mm -hmm. Styles music. Graham Parsons wants to record a country music record. He approaches Chris Hillman, who has a bluegrass background, he gets Chris Hillman on his side, and then as a duo, they kind of strong-arm McGinn into doing a country record. On this country record, yeah, Graham's written two of the songs. Chris Hillman and McGinn haven't written any of the songs. Of the nine covers, four of them were picked by Graham. They record this album, and it's just Graham all over the place. Graham, when when they really start to butt heads is when Graham is trying to hire up. He, yeah, you say he's the trying to hire. Steel, yeah. He wants a pedal steel player. Yeah, to be an <laughs> earnest country band. Yeah, that's what you do when you're a country <laughs> band, guys. So at this point, he's been in the band for like what a month. And Marshall McGinn's like, wait, wait, no, you can't hire band members. I just hired you. I pay you a salary. So like already they're butting heads. They record this album a month after Graham joins the band. In, it, uh, they recorded it in March. The album's released in August. By August, Graham's already been gone for a month, and he's taken Chris Hillman with him. <laughs> he's, he's like he strip mined the birds. And like, him and Chris Hillman go to form the, the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yep. He's like, I'm out. Let's go <laughs> Just right. leaving Roger McGuinn on by Let's himself. Go right, wild horses now. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys remember when Ween went country <laughs> and how they had their own songs? Is that how, how you was, feel? Uh, yeah. Piss up a rope. <clears throat> um, no, there's nothing, nothing in my headphones. The three times I've listened to it thus far is offensive. It's good. It's fine. It's not anything I care about. I yeah. think I'm. I think I'm just disappointed that I didn't get sort of a Birds album that was. It wasn't. It doesn't feel like them. You know what I mean? Like this, it doesn't. This one because this isn't really. Them. No. Well, I mean, just this whole album. I mean, even with the band, where you're listening to the band, and I was like, I get it. This is where we start in with the sort of laid-back country rock, with the, where Wilco, the Eagles, all those bands are gonna, going to spawn out of these types of, well, these types of music. And, and they do. The they do, absolutely. And so I think I'm just, I'm kind of bummed on this album just because it feels like they, they did these covers. I like the originals. And so, and I'm not super fond of, you know, the Bob Dylan songs that they did. And so it just kind of feels like so-so to me because I like the playing and I kind of like where they're going. But, it, yeah, it just doesn't resonate for some reason with me. I like it. It's it's soothing. Yeah, like Rob's saying, it's not offensive or anything. I just doesn't... I don't find inspiration like I would on a a really solid uh, country album. And maybe I'm just not a, a huge country fan. For historical significance, it's the first time yeah. that a rock band intentionally made a country record. Yeah, and I'll give it its due for that. Especially for taking a risk, due and alienating both sides of the spectrum. <laughs> well, for, from what you said, it's the first time that a rock band... Got bamboozled. <laughs> 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 hey, Chris Hillman was in on it eventually. He at least he agreed. He was an accomplice. He was an accomplice. Yeah. <laughs> I do love that they went to Grand Old Opry, you know, and then they were just they were 
saying tweet tweet and they're mm-hmm. like just heckling the hell out of them my favorite part of that story is that they announced we're gonna play the xyz song and then graham parsons starts playing his own song mm-hmm. that's different from the song that they said they were gonna play it was hickory, it was hickory wind, wind. yeah, yeah. and they were like, right he was there. like my grandma uh, she listened to grandma opry every week uh i i gotta play the song i wrote about her and they're like what are you doing? Yeah, no, you can't play that song. We just said that you were going to play a different song, and that's not done at the Opry. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, like the, 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 the hayseed monocles were like falling. All right, how do you how do you feel, Rob? How do you feel about this one? Neutral. It, I don't. I, I don't think it. I'll never listen to it again on purpose. Um, but it's not terrible. I well, uh, hold on. This is the fifth Birds record, and I haven't really liked any of them. So maybe I should just. Did you like the first one? You weren't here. I wasn't I don't think. here. Yeah. How'd you the, feel about that, the, Mr. Tambourine Man? Then the Jingle Jingle Morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that a Dylan song? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. No, fucking birds. <laughs> no. Is this a fucking Scorsese in the departed situation? I was you, you feel he has to get the Oscar now, even though this isn't really the one that deserves it? I was saying boo words. No. Uh, no, the 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 birds are a sham. I, I look forward. To, <laughs> I look forward to the flying burrito brothers. Birds are not real. <laughs> Don't believe in birds. Yeah, I I like this record. I mean, I, it it kind of hit me at like a tender age. I throw it on once every couple months, you know. But I I can definitely see like where you guys are coming from. Like I I definitely don't think that that's an invalid opinion. But you know, I think it belongs on the list, and 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 I enjoy listening to it. I like this record. I've liked it for a while. I agree it's not an exciting record. This record's like my easy listening, my comfort food. When I put it on, it's because like I just want to listen to something like nice and comfortable and like I associate that with this album. Historically, I think it's really important. I think it's an awesome story about how Graham Parsons just kind of jump started his own career by hijacking the birds. Sure. <laughs> I think that's cool. Uh I also think it's a cool story about how he left, and he was so he was only in the birds for like what four months. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I yeah, it doesn't really do it for me. Granted, I didn't grow up listening to this sort of music. I don't have any sort of nostalgic or otherwise ties. It wasn't formative for me in any in any way. Um, But I, I do recognize its significance and it is a hell of a story so i i don't actively dislike the album it's it's fine it's like a true neutral it's coward just, i don't give a shit <laughs> well I, I don't give a shit about it but it's also not bad you know um, it's just yeah, yeah. um but I, I actually i think it, it does actually deserve a place on the list uh, despite me not particularly yeah, caring for it. Yeah, I was gonna say too. It definitely, I think it deserve definitely deserves to be in the book. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, th- that if, them being the first band to actively, however you know, 
whatever amount of, uh, under their own volition they were actually <laughs> doing any of this uh, to make that sort of crossover. Those sorts of moments in music and history are, are important. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. I would say that this that album and probably just Tambourine Man, if I... I would pick this and Tambourine Man if I had to pick Just, two. you know, for significance mm-hmm. and kind of getting what the band was going for. The other experiments, I just... I'm not and into it all. We didn't need to cover five birds albums. We could no, have done abso- two. Absolutely not. <laughs> we could have done two. I'm yeah. actually So we have an entire Dylan record with all of the birds albums that we've done, right? We we, we can just like <laughs> yes. stack those you, you, Dylan you can, covers. You can make a whole album of Dylan as as interpreted by the birds. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about it. I'm I'm on the neutral, but I feel like I will listen to it again and I I kind of like some of the songs, and so I'd probably throw it on again. So, I don't know if Andrew's going to bring it up or not, but I want to hear. Yeah, I want to hear from Andrew. Andrew just saw the 50-year concert. I did. Oh. Of Sweetheart of the Rodeo, yeah. right? Yeah. They played this entire it album. It was um, Roger McGuinn, Chris Hillman, and Marty Stewart uh, and his backing band were playing guitar and, and you know rhythm section. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Like, they're... they're their voices sound just like they did back then, which first, you, know, you may or may not uh, appreciate. But I mean, the fact that they, you know, they're in their what mid seventies or whatever, and like, sure, sure. and they still like they're nailing it. Marty Stewart was playing the um, the Clarence White uh, B Bender guitar that was used on this record. Like, wow. he's like the custodian of that guitar, and it's like this sort of like legendary, you know, guitar in, in that world. And he was. You know, right up there playing it and bending the hell out of it, and, and it was really cool to see. That's awesome. Were they just playing songs? Were they telling stories? They did a little bit of both. They did like a set of like not like songs that weren't on that record, just sort of some bird songs and like songs that kind of influenced those songs. And then they did a set of the record and an encore, you know. But like they just, yeah, they really, they really, they still got it for a bunch of. Old baby boomers. <laughs> yeah, did they do the entire record, or did they bring back some other bird songs? They did. Yeah, they did. They did both. They did like um, in that in the first set. It was like you know they did like turn turn turn, and they did like um, you know like the birds classic stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the second set was just the whole record. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Straight through, and then an encore with some other big hits and stuff. How many Moogs were on stage <laughs> at this point? There were there weren't there weren't any mugs. There was um, surprising. Uh, yeah, there was some good pedal steel up there though. You know, McGinn's original concept for this one would have ended very moog heavy. He he wanted to start. He wanted to do the history of American music, but he wanted like the last tracks to just be like the future. <laughs> I, I would I would have loved that. <laughs> oh, he still didn't know how to use the fucking thing. That's fine. <laughs> you've been uh, you've been with us for for a minute, Grady, but. Uh, there's some tracks How was on. How last time? Uh, notor- you, did you do Notorious Bird Brothers? Not for the last birds, but the last session. Yeah, yeah last yeah, birds. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Yeah, we'll play at Mo- uh, Mograga for you. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the birds. All right, we're done with the birds, guys. Yay! Yay! This chapter is over! Next up, five white stripes off. <laughs> oh, goddammit. <laughs> Next time we'll be talking about the Beatles... The Beatles, a.k.a. Which album? The White Album. (laughs) (laughs) All right, thanks, y'all.
My buddies tell me that I should have waited. They say I'm missing a whole world of fun. But I still love them and I sing with. 